Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is uh, July 30th on a Saturday. And I don't know if uh, anyone in the United States have been, uh, well, I'm sure, Quite a few people in our country, anyway, I reside in the United States, by the way, have been keeping up with the debt ceiling shenanigans uh, at um, or at Washington or in Washington. But it's really getting to the point where it's going to get really serious if they don't raise the debt ceiling according to what they're saying. And I have to address this. I'm going to get into the Bible study, of course, about establishing strong and stable families. But uh, as any Torah teacher should, they should address uh, what's going on in the world right now in reference to uh, something that can affect every human being on this earth. And I don't know if many of you are aware of this or not, but the United States currency is the uh, number one currency around the world. Uh, People rely on that currency. And if that currency is downgraded uh, to a double A rating instead of a triple A rating, according to Moody, then we are going to be in real serious trouble. Even if we increase the debt ceiling, even if we increase it, we're already we're going to be increasing the money supply. When you increase the money supply, uh, when you're in debt like we are, what that does is devalue the dollar. So eventually, this country will default. It's just that it's going to be similar to uh, you got a bullet, right? And then they don't take the whole bullet out. They just take half of it out, right? So uh, they don't solve the problem. And that's what we're doing. Each time we are printing money out of thin air, what we're in effect doing is prolonging the agony, prolonging the punishment. It's going to be even more punishment, financial punishment, if we continue uh, along um, the shenanigans that we're, we're doing. And, you know, the Bible prophesied that the leaders that we have today would not think properly, would not logically solve problems. And, of course, above all that, they would not uh, go to the true God of the Bible to solve these problems. And that's the reason why we're in this situation right now. The, the Bible plainly states that those who... Well, let me turn there. Um, I think it's in Second Corinthians. Either second, yeah, I think it's Second Corinthians here, chapter eight. One of those. 
First Corinthians or second? Second Corinthians. Let's see. Right. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse twelve. This is in the New American Standard Version. I couldn't find my other Bibles for some reason, so I'll just read in this. could read in the other version. I think I will, too, see how it reads. But 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of fair balance. Uh, I hope anyone from Congress is listening to this. This is what the fair balance that God wants. Uh, The fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who has had little did not have too little. And that's written in the Torah, that, uh, that law there in Exodus. So that is the kind of equality I think Obama's trying to to uh, relate to the American public and also in Washington, but people just don't get it. Of course, we, we hardly ever follow the Constitution of the United States. So the Constitution of the United States, uh, the Congress should solve these debt problems and, and so forth, and that's another story all in itself. But um, that is the solution. Uh, this country, we have more rich people more rich people in this country than we have in any other country around the world. And they have too much. <laughs> they have too much. And we have the most inequality of any country in the world. But but God, that's not following God's law. When rich folks have too much and the poor have too little. Uh, and, and that's the problem today in this country and around the world. And God is sick of it. You know, the the beginning of my program, let's look at that scripture here. Let me see if I can read this in the another version for clarity's sake here. But the scripture that I begin my program in audio form, I, I think really, well, in fact, I know, really says it all about the problem, not only in this country, but around the world. Let me see if I can find this in the, it's in Psalm 82. Psalm 82. Very powerful scripture here. It kind of sums up the problem, again, not only in this country, but around the world. And I'm going to read something from John the Baptist. And these scriptures are popping in my head here for a reason. Psalm 82. Now, this is in the, uh, now it's not a perfect version, but this is comparable with the King James Version for sure. Uh, the Common English Bible. This is a new translation that's coming out in September. And if you guys want to, and girls or gals, want to review this, go to www.commonenglishbible.com. They have a free online version for your uh, convenience. But anyway, Psalm 82, beginning in verse 1 in the Common English Bible, it says, God takes his stand in the divine council. He gives judgment among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly by granting favor to the wicked? Selah. Okay, that's a prophecy. Selah means think about that. Pause. Think. Consider what I just said. 
How long will you judge unjustly? By granting favor to the wicked. Now, in another place in the Bible, in Revelation 12, verse 9, you don't have to turn there, but it says that the whole world has been deceived or tricked by the devil. The last part of John, 1 John chapter 5, tells us that we, this whole world lies in wickedness. So there's many wicked people in the world, folks, despite what you may think. Verse 3, give justice to the lowly and the orphan. Just the other day, somebody had left their two-year-old child near our condo, just out the blue. Now, we don't know whether or not she just didn't know where it was at, which is still irresponsible or whatever, but it, it just it's just sad uh, that somebody would even do that. And then the police had to come and all that. It, it was just a mess. But anyway, give justice to the lowly and the orphan. The orphan is someone who has no child. Uh, no, no, no child. No parents. All right, so give justice to the lowly and the orphan. Maintain the right of the poor and the destitute. Now, I want you to hold your place here because Yeshua, Jesus, stated that John the Baptist, or Yochanan, or Yochanan, the immerser, was the greatest man who ever lived outside of him, of course. So let's understand what Yochanan, or John, stated we must all do to show signs of repentance. So hold your place here and turn to Luke chapter 3. See, this is the problem. I have to get a little direct here. I mean, time is running out, folks. The catastrophe is coming upon us. Now, I don't know if God is going to have mercy again, as he tends to do many times, and allow this to continue on. Or he's going to finally pull the plug. We're going to see soon, Tuesday. Uh, but um, Luke chapter 3. And I'm going to go down here to verse 7. And this is in the common English version, common English Bible version, a new version. Is, uh, officially will be in print form. I mean, it's already in print form, but will be officially distributed in September which is, uh, by the way, a pretty good month um, as far as prophecy is concerned. Anyway, Common English Bible and verse 7 of Luke chapter 3. Then John said to the crowds who came to be immersed or baptized by him, You children of, of snakes. <laughs> he called them children of snakes. All right, Who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that is coming soon? Now, we know it didn't come in his lifetime, but... If you read the verse above there, it says all humanity will see God's salvation. All humanity has not seen God's salvation. So we know that's a future prophecy. Verse 8. Produce fruit that shows you have changed your hearts and lives or your, your minds. And don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father like Jews do. Uh, I tell you that God is able to raise up Abraham's children from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees, indicating a future prophecy of the axe actually being at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit, in other words, good actions, not finances, as one popular false minister had preached many years, produce good fruit, in other words, your behavior will be chopped down and toss into the fire. And that's a hard message, isn't it? But 
you know, Yeshua stated that he was the greatest man who ever lived. Okay? And he preached a hard message to people to try to wake them up. Verse 10, the crowds asked him, what then should we do? Because no one wants to be tossed in a lake of fire. Even demons don't. Okay? Verse 11, he answered, whoever has two shirts must share with the one who has none. And whoever has food must do the same. That's the first thing that came out of his mouth. The greatest man who ever lived outside of Jesus stated, you must do to really show that you have changed to everyone else and, more importantly, to God. The biggest problem with human beings today, and I can say this, I've been in this world for 45 years, so I think I'm experienced enough to say this, is that most human beings do not want to share or give of their resources that God has blessed them to have. That is the problem. And until we solve that problem, there's going to be more cursing, more destruction, not only in the United States, but around the world. Plain and simple as that. we got to stop acting like Cain. Am I my brother's keeper? That's the problem. We, most of us, don't think we are our fellow human beings' keeper. In the Hebrew, it means protector. We should care about all human beings around the world. Acts chapter 17, you don't have to turn there, states that we all come from one blood. Adam, which means mankind or humanity in the common English Bible translation. We treat each other like strangers. And I you know, I thinking about my my life here, you know, when when I was sixteen or seventeen years old, I realized that. I realized that there was something wrong. Even that young, I realized there was something wrong with humanity. How they treated one another. And I don't understand why it was like that. And that's why I had asked God to either kill me or reveal yourself to me, because it doesn't make any sense for me to live another second if I don't understand why I was born, if I don't understand the Bible. Or more important than all that, I don't understand the Creator. It doesn't make any sense to live. I think I, think I told a family member, I thought it was crazy to say that, but I guess Elijah was crazy too because Elijah desired to die. And some other people did too. So uh, sometimes you can get to the point, and if you ask God to kill you, that's not a sin. Because God can kill you. <laughs> it's only if you ask, if it's permission for you to kill yourself or someone else. That's when it's a sin. But God knows when it's time for you to go. Just like um, my cousin's uh, grandson died. And we prayed that he would live, but he died. So God knows best. I think he was, I think he was like barely a year old, something like that. So it's, it's, it's sad. And he's very young, let's put it that way. But God, he allows things for a reason. That poor baby will be resurrected in the future and given an opportunity to um, obey him. Now, let's see the rest of this in Luke chapter 3, verse 12. And this is funny because 
this is the problem today that we have in the government, but this is a prophecy, even though back then it applied, but it also applies today because John the Baptist was a prophet. Okay? Verse 12, even tax collectors come to be immersed. They said to him, teacher, what should we do? And these are tax collectors. He replied, collect no more than you are authorized to collect. And what does the government do today? Right now I'm paying back taxes, not because I I wanted to, but because I had no choice. I mean, I'm struggling, like most Americans. They charge interest on, on the tax, you know, a lot of interest. They're not following this commandment. Collect no more than you are authorized to collect. They're collecting more, including interest. Verse 14, soldiers asked, what about us? What should we do? He answered, don't cheat or harass anyone and be satisfied with your pay. Now, this applies to soldiers and I guess anyone. We should all be satisfied with our pay, although we should, if we know that we're getting underpaid, we should try to improve ourselves. But he said this for a reason, because there's many people in this country, a significant amount, that are making a decent salary, but they want more. They want more. It's like I was telling my son the other day, it was a study done by this organization that stated that once you get past eleven dollars to $12,000 a year, you start to not be happy. I'm talking about annual, annual income coming in. And this is a study that they did. And, you know, Jesus stated this in Luke chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. He stated that one's life does not consist of the things that you possess. And I think a lot of Americans think that it does. We've got examples that prove us over and over again that it doesn't. Tiger Wood. Uh, You know what happened to him. I don't have to go through it. He's one of the richest uh, athletes in the world. All this money, right? Beautiful wife, beautiful children. He threw it all away. And he's being cursed right now. Can't even win a tennis match anymore. Tournament. Tiger Wood, golf, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, I don't know if I said tennis or not, but if I did, I apologize. Don't remember. But uh, Tiger Wood. Well, not yeah. Well, Michael Jackson. Uh, you know, even though he seemed to have had a, a somewhat of a kind heart, he messed himself up. You know, on on, uh, on uh, drugs, and he couldn't get any sleep. What a life! You know, was he really happy to be able to to have to have drugs to put him to sleep? No, that's not somebody that's happy. That's somebody that's miserable. And I can go on and on and on, but money folks does not make you happy i know i'm i'm more happy now and i'm struggling having issues but i'm not happy about people's wickedness it's like somebody dropping a two-year-old child off around our condo but i am happy about obeying god i'm happy of what he has revealed to me about what's going to happen to the world in the future very soon here that's what i'm happy that's what keeps me going that's what helps me to endure another day dealing with Human beings that don't want to obey God, that that uh, think that getting ahead means to cheat and be dishonest. That's what I have to deal with more often than not. But, you know, it's just unfortunate that 
the average human being, I'm just underscoring, the average human being has to be spanked. And adult children are not spanked literally. They are spanked by taking away what's really important to them. And you know what that is, in most cases, money. The ability to support yourself. That's what's going on in this country. Whether they do get the debt ceiling thing or whatever, it's still going to be a problem. There's a high probability, even if they come up with this solution to the increase of debt ceiling, that if they come to this uh, problem again, it's a high probability they're not going to be able to do it. That's how close we are. Either way. And this has to be addressed, folks. And let's, turn, let's go back to Psalm 82. Let's go back to Psalm 82. I just wish other people would just be, you know, they're all wrapped up in a 501c3 and trying to make money and stuff, and they're not really concerned about preaching the truth. Well, you know, I'm not 501c3. I, I don't fear the government. Um, I'm free to preach whatever I want to preach. Uh, my ministry is not about making you feel good so you can give me money. You know, I, I'm I'm preaching the truth to anyone that wants to hear it. Psalm 82, again, back in the Common English Bible. In verse 3, he says, Give justice to the lowly and the orphan. Maintain the, the right of the poor and the destitute. How much time I have left? One hour and eight minutes. Okay. Verse 4, Rescue the lowly and the needy. Deliver them from the power of the wicked. Now, why is God saying this? Because it's not being done collectively as a human race. It's done sometimes. And CNN may have a little show about this person doing this and helping 500 people. Okay? But it, we need more of those people. We just can't have one out of a blue moon doing something. What is that going to do? How is that going to change the world? We have to collectively do it. And that's what God is talking about here in this passage here. Rescue the lowly and the needy. Deliver them from the power of the wicked. They don't know. They don't understand. They wander around in the dark. He's talking about most of humanity. All, and then because of this, all the earth's foundations shake or will be shaking. In verse 6, he says, I hereby declare you are God's, meaning in the original Hebrew, mighty ones. That's our potential is to be mighty ones like God is. Of course, he's the mightiest of the mighty ones, but we're going to be mighty ones says, all of you, but you will be die like mortals. Why? Because we're sinning. You will fall down like any prince. And then, verse 8, rise up, God, judge the earth, because you hold all nations in your possession. See, that's what people don't seem to understand about God here. He holds all the nations in his possession in the palm of his hand. Obama's a joke to him. I'm a joke. Anyone's a joke. To him. We're nothing. We're little peons compared to him. And we better all get our act together, or a significant amount of us going to be thrown at Lake of Fire. That's the message of John the Baptist, and that's my message. And any other message, any other Torah teacher teaching you the truth is going to teach you that. 
a prophecy that tells you the state of the world today without me giving you all a bunch of fancy statistics. Proverbs 30, verse 8 to 9. Let's turn there. By the way, Hurricane Emily looks like it's going to form and it's going to cause some problems. So I'm just letting you know. You know, I don't know if it's going to hit Texas, but it looks like it's going to be in the Gulf by um, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. So it's hurricane season now. So here we go. God's been having mercy. I know he had it last year, but I don't know if he's going to have it this year. Based on our behavior and us embracing homosexuality and as this one CNN homosexual woman said, lesbian said, I think last week on uh, CNN, that New York is the most recognizable and powerful city in the world. All right? And that's significant because whatever New York does, people copy. And plus all this gayness in this country started in New York anyway. Anyway, probably in the 60s. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 to 9. Fraud and lies keep far from me. Don't give me either poverty or wealth. Give me just the food I need. Now, do a lot of Americans, when they think of success, do they think of that as being successful, having that attitude? No. Most Americans, oh, let me win the lottery. Like money is going to solve all their problems. They don't have this attitude of don't give me poverty or wealth. That's balance. Again, the balance that was talked about in Second Corinthians chapter 8, I think verse 12. That's the kind of balanced thinking that God wants us to have. That's the kind of balanced thinking that he has. He wants the House of Representatives and the Congress in Washington to have, even the president to have. A balanced approach, right? That's what he says. He wants a balanced approach. Well, this is the balanced approach that God wants you to have, Mr. O- Mr. Obama. Don't give me either poverty or wealth. Give me just the food I need. Why can't you develop a program that will implement this desire that we should all have? It's in the Bible. Verse 9, or I'll be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? This is the problem. Many folks in this country think being rich is the solution to all your problems. And so when you have that mindset, you, you, you you think, who is the Lord? Where is the Lord at? You know, I don't care about the Lord. I just want to make some money. You know? Or I'll be poor and steal and dishonor my God's name. And that's a problem. You have people out here stealing. You, and people are struggling so bad, they go rob a bank. Hey, give me some money. i got to pay my bills. It's that bad. It's that bad. Poverty is not a positive thing. Because why would God put it in this context? I mean, he doesn't want people not to have what they need. That's the kind of poverty he's talking about. I'm not talking about the working poor poverty. At least you work, at least you can feed yourself, okay, somewhat. But to be destitute poverty, this is what this is talking about in this context. Now, verse 14. It said, there are those whose teeth are swords. And the King James says there's a generation. So... But there are those whose teeth are swords, their jaw is a butcher's knife, ready to devour the needy from the earth and the poor from humanity. Now, I'm going to go to this 
website here and list some statistics here you know, that people don't, you know, they don't want to hear or whatever, and it's fine, you know. But for those who want to listen to me and hear the truth about the poverty in this world, pay attention. By the way, this is a very excellent website by this guy. Uh, it's very highly ranked on the Internet, which is pretty interesting, but uh, by Anup Shah. And uh, the name of the website is Global Issues, Social, Political, Economic, and Environmental Issues That Affect Us All. Now, quoting on uh, his website here under Poverty, Facts, and Stats. Almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. Let me repeat that fact. Almost half the world, over 3 billion people, there's 6.7 billion people in the world, live on less than $2.50 a day. Prophecy has been verified to be accurate. Okay? At least 80% of humanity, 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. More than 80% of the world's population lives in countries where income differentials are widening. The poorest 40% of the world's population accounts for 5% of global income. The richest 20% accounts for three-quarters or 75% of world income. I'm going to go on and on. I'll read about the the, uh, the kids, but I think you get the gif of what I'm saying here. According to UNICI of UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day. They can't get this fat, this stats right. It's 22, 24. Anyway, it's a lot of kids. 22,000 children die each day due to poverty. And now how many September 11s is that? That's 7 September 11s. Is 3, supposedly 3,000 died. I think it was more than that. But 3,000 died. 3,000 divided into 22,000 is 7, right? Yeah, 7. A little over 7. But anyway, you have 7 September 11s that happen every day, folks. And they die quietly in some of the poorest villages on earth, far removed from the scrutiny and the conscience of the world. Like that prophecy says, they're in the dark. They don't know what's going on. Okay? Being meek and weak in life makes these dying multitudes even more invisible in death. So, I, I, you know, just read this. It's just depressing, but you need to know the facts. Of, you know, like it says right here, some 1.8 million children deaths each year as a result of diarrhea. Just diarrhea. That many die. Then loss of 443 million school days each year from water-related illness. Close to half of all people in developing countries suffering at any given time from a health problem caused by water and sanitation deficits. Millions of women spending several hours a day collecting water. I mean, folks, we in this country live in a daydream world, basically. We, you know, God has blessed this country so much, as he prophesied he would do, that we don't understand that the rest of the world is not like the United States. Now, the United States, as rich as we are, we still have, uh, I think it's close to 43 or 44 million people that are poor, which is sad. For the richest nation in the world. That's a lot of people. That's a significant amount of people. And not only that, there's a lot of people right now depending on the entitlement programs of, uh, uh, what is it, unemployment insurance, right? Uh, and and uh, 
Medicaid and food stamps. I just got through talking to some woman. She was on. She was uh, the other day. Uh, she is uh, on the uh, public aid uh, food stamps program, and she has two kids, and she's only getting thirty nine dollars a month. Yes, that that's how. Because me and my wife, I know one time we after September eleventh, it affected our business, and that's a long story. I'm not going to go into it, but to get to the point. Uh, we just made $11,000 that year. So we qualified food stamps, a family of three, and they gave us, what, about $100 a month, something like that. Something like that, yeah. But this tells you how worse this country has gotten if this person is being honest with me. I have no reason why she's not. She's just getting $39, and she, uh, a female with two kids. That's ridiculous, and no income coming in, hardly. So that's that's how bad it's gotten, folks, in this country. And then, as I've mentioned in many programs, the gauge that God really uses to, to draw the line is our social behavior, in particular, this gay stuff that's been going on right now. Uh, as we continue to embrace this, as our leaders continue to embrace this and try to influence the populace or, or the, uh, the public to embrace it as well, try to force this down our throat through our educational systems, God is not is gonna, he's going to cause things like this financial crisis to occur. Uh, I just saw on CNN the other day that Texas has suffered the worst drought since the Dust Bowl. As I've stated many times, God is going to punish us, folks. We cannot keep on thinking that there's no God, that he doesn't see what we're doing. There's a cause for every effect. We shouldn't have any weather disturbances. We shouldn't have the type of weather that we had uh, last week, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, where it was really hot. The reason why it was hot like that is because of all this erratic, irrational uh, behavior about gayness that this country is embracing right now. The U.N. first announcing, hey, don't discriminate against gays around the world, and then the next week, oh, you can marry in, in uh, New York now, the state of New York. And then the city, I saw, me and my son saw with my own eyes, I think it was last week, right, uh, two gay folks being married by the mayor of New York on CNN. They broadcast that. I've never seen that before on television. So that's that's where we're going, folks. You know, And God does not take pleasure in that. Let me just summarize where we're at and where we're going here, you know, because uh, somebody needs to do it, and I hope other people are doing it, but I've got to do it. Revelation chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. And anybody that's listening to this, this, you know, <laughs> realize I'm telling you the truth. All I'm doing is quoting you out of the scriptures. And you need to take what I'm telling you serious, and you need to tell the people about this that's willing to listen. Because I can tell you on the authority of the Bible, and we don't have that much time left. I can't predict you how many years we have left, but it's not many. It's good news. I mean, I want God to come back. I want God to, to, to straighten us out. I remember one time we went to this, I guess they called themselves a fellowship, and he, he said, well, I don't want Jesus Christ to come back yet. <laughs> I mean, how can you say something like that? How can you say that you don't want somebody who's perfect Come back, 
has all power, and make things right. That tells you that he has his head in the gutter, basically. Anyway, Revelation chapter 6, verse 5. Read this in the complete, I mean the common English Bible. You know, God knows the end from the beginning. And we have to realize that and respect that. This is where we're at in prophecy right now, folks, without any doubt, when you understand certain things. Revelation 6, verse 5. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. So I looked, and there was a black horse. Its rider held a balance for weighing in his hand. Balance has something to do with finances, right? I heard what sounded like a voice from among the four living creatures. It said, a quart of wheat for a denarian and three quarts of barley for a denarian, but don't damage, don't damage the olive oil and the wine. Now, I like this commentary from the Jewish New Testament commentary uh, by David H. Stern. That's the name of it anyway. Because I really believe that he really understands this very well. And I'm going to turn to it here on page uh, 808 of the uh, Jewish New Testament commentary. It says, The rich are cushioned by their wealth from the effects of economic inequality and scarcity, but the poor, who must pay a day's wage, is literally a denarius. For starvation rations are brusquely, brusquely ordered not to meddle with or damage the olive oil or the wine, now luxuries far beyond their means. It says, Weighing the bread is a sign of a curse, according to Leviticus 26, verse 26. They shall dole out your bread by weight. You will eat, but you will not be satisfied. Okay? And then in verse 8, The greenness is a sign of death. Oh, I didn't go into that. But death causes the, the face to turn green, as it says in the Talmud. Referring to the angel of death, they throw in the mouth of the dying the drop which causes death. So famine, the ability not to take care of yourself, leads to death. That's what it leads to. In verse 7, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. So I looked, and there was a pale green horse. Its rider's name was Death, and Grave was following right behind. They were given authority over a fourth part of the earth, which is 25% of the population of the world, to kill by sword, which is war, famine, and then when you starve, what happens? You get disease, and then the wild animals of the earth. Of course, after you get disease, the disease causes death. Economic inequality around the world, starting with the United States, we're the most inequality. Uh, we're the most, uh, in terms of inequality, we, we are number one. So God prophesied of this thousands of years ago through the Apostle John. And then Matthew chapter 24. Let's look at that. Matthew chapter 24. 
I'm going to probably summarize the Torah readings again today because things are so serious in this country that I have to focus on prophecy. And for those who think, oh, he's just talking about prophecy too much, <laughs> let's turn to Luke chapter 21. I'm only doing what Christ told me to do, okay? So if you have a problem with prophecy, then you go talk to him, okay? I'm tired of people acting like they know what they're talking about when they don't when it comes to the Bible. Luke chapter 21, verse 34, from the Common English Bible. When things are serious, folks, if you are a Torah teacher, you better start talking about it. Because you know what he's going to do? He's going to put the blood that they're going to suffer from on you. I don't want that blood on me. And plus, I really have a different motive, motivation. I truly care about people. I want people to know the truth. This is the best I can do. I don't I'm not I don't have the money that Bill Gates has. If I did, I would advertise like crazy. Okay? But I'm doing what I can do. Proverbs I'm sorry, Luke chapter twenty one, verse starting in verse thirty four. Jesus told them a parable. A parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees when they Oh, I'm sorry, verse thirty four. <laughs> Luke 21, verse 34. 34. Take care that your hearts aren't dulled by drinking parties. Drunkenness sounds like America, doesn't it? And the anxieties of day-to-day life. Don't lead or don't let that day fall upon you unexpectedly. What day? The day of catastrophes. Okay? Like a trap. It will come upon everyone who lives on the face of the whole earth like the way he described. Verse 36, stay alert at all times. How do you stay alert? you got to watch, praying that you are strong enough to escape everything that is about to happen and to stand before the human one, which is interesting, or it says the son of man in King James, but the human one. So I'm only following what Christ is telling me to do. And you should do it. You should stay alert. Don't let, don't be going to drinking parties, get drunk, and let the anxieties of this day-to-day life, you know, paying bills, work, uh, don't let that get in the way of reality. We we spend too much time in America looking at movies that just takes us into another world. Like I joke with my son, he used to like Sonic, I think he still does, you know, but... When you, when you, <laughs> one of the fascinating things about that game, boy, do you go into another world with that game, <laughs> and it makes you forget everything, you know. But is that really healthy in light of what's going on today? Here, right as I speak, Republicans and Democrats can't make up their mind on how to solve. Something that is so simple, they just get their Bibles and blow the dust off of it and read it. But they don't want to do that. They want to do things their own way. And they can't, of course, make up their own mind what they want to do. It's like Christ said, a house divided will fall. And this house is falling. And it will fall. Can't predict when. But it's falling. What I mean by falling, they're going to cause this country to go through very serious problems because they can't agree on anything. And even if they agree to increase the debt ceiling, that's not solving our problem. 
It's not solving our problem at all, period. But anyway, Matthew chapter 24. This is a, a passage of Scripture that we all need to be studying right now. Christ made this simple for us. <laughs> he made it simple for us. He summarized prophecy. and we have People have all these little great ideas. And if they just take what he said literally, they wouldn't have all these ideas. But anyway, Matthew 24, verse 3, verse 4, rather. Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus replied, Watch out that no one deceives you. Oh, wait a minute, verse 3. So you understand the context of this. Because many people say, well, he was just talking about back then in the first century. No, he wasn't. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. Now, while Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, which is across from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming? Of course, he was. they were not talking about his first coming because he was right there in front of his face. Okay? Or their faces, rather. You sure? So they were talking about his second coming. What would be the sign of your coming and the end of the age, which proves that he's talking about his second coming? The end of man trying to rule himself, because we have failed miserably to do so. Verse 4, Jesus replied, Watch out that no one deceives you or tricks you. That's the first thing that came out of his mouth, which shows you there's a lot of deception and trickery in Christian ministries around the world. And not only in Christian ministries, but in Judaism, unfortunately. Verse 5, many will come in my name, but there's more deception in Christianity than Judaism. I can say that much. Anyway, verse 5, many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ or the Messiah. They will deceive many people. So he wanted the stress of the trickery. Be careful who you listen to. Check what I say. Look up every scripture. You'll see that I'm telling you the truth. Verse 6, you will hear about wars and reports of wars. That's really the history of the 20th century and 21st century. Don't be alarmed. These things must happen. But this isn't the end yet. Verse 7, nations, they didn't translate that correctly. It should be families. Families and kingdoms will fight against each other. You have family problems all across this country. This got to, uh, there was a CNN story about this girl that was left in the box for dead. And then they interviewed the woman that someone was responsible. She was laughing about it like it was funny or something, you know. And it's just ridiculous. Families and kingdoms will fight against each other, and there will be famines. And how are famines started for folks? What's, what's the definition of famine? Starvation. How is starvation start? When you don't have the money to take care of yourself. That's why people work. One of the reasons why, to eat. If you don't work, you won't eat. You'll starve. And what he's predicting is the ability of people, most people, to support themselves won't be there. There will be famines and earthquakes in all sorts of places. But all these things are just the beginning of the sufferings associated with the end. They will arrest you, abuse you, and they will kill you. All nations will hate you, and he's talking about believers, on account of my name. I know many people hate me because I speak the truth. So what? I don't care. 
If God is for me, who's against me? Verse 10. At that time, many will fall away. In other words, many people are going to show their true colors, whether they're believers or not. It's really, it's fun. You know, it's easy to be a believer when everything's okay, no financial problems, no nothing, and everything is just a-okay all the time. But when you start getting persecuted, when people start saying, hey, you know, I don't like what you just said there. You know, I don't like the fact that you are preaching that uh, a gay lifestyle is against God's law. I don't like that. What you going to do? What you going to do? You're going to say, yeah, you're right? Or are you going to say, hey, you're going to stand up for what you believe? They will portray each other. So it's going to be a mass portrayal and hate each other. Verse 11, many false, and he's not few, many false prophets. There's many Harold Campings out there will appear and trick many people. Because disobedience will expand, the love of many will grow cold. So just like a, you know, you hold an ice cube in your hand, and just like as I was uh, telling you, through the prophecies of the Bible, and Christ has confirmed this, because disobedience will spread, the love of many will grow cold. People don't care about one another like they should. They don't. Especially today, in the 21st century. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be delivered, meaning you have to endure. It's not going to be easy, like a lot of Christian ministries preach. Verse 14, the gospel of this kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony of all nations. Then the end will come. The end, the gospel will be preached during the millennium. As well, and then in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, the end is, is described as Yeshua giving or Jesus giving the entire kingdom to His Father. This can also refer to the end of man's age of trying to rule himself. And in Revelation chapter fourteen, it talks about an angel preaching the gospel around the world before that end. So what's the event that you need to look at, of course, all this famine and economic chaos is going to happen first. But what it's going to lead to, folks, is verse 15. When you see the disgusting and destructive thing that Daniel talked about standing in the holy place, it says the reader should understand this. <laughs> it says it's for a reason, because many won't. The temple. Go to www.templeinstitute.org. The temple, as I speak, has already been planned to be built. And it will be. And it appears, according to the prophecies of the Bible, that a war or catastrophes and, and problems, worldwide problems, will entice the Jews to finally do what they're supposed to do, is build this temple. They already had the plans and designs to do it. They just need the motivation and the go-ahead by the Israeli government to do it. And God states in Revelation chapter 11 that it will be built, and in Daniel chapter 12, because there will be sacrifices initiated at the temple. And for that to happen, there has to be a temple. So Jesus says, he's prophesied in this one sentence that there will be a temple in these days, these end times, and if you understand what uh, Daniel, if 
you read in, in Daniel chapter 12, uh, in the King James Version, it says abomination of desolation. And let's hold your let's hold hold your place here. Let's turn to Daniel for you to understand this. Daniel chapter twelve. How much time I have left here? Thirty-seven minutes. Okay, Daniel chapter twelve. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great leader who guards your people, will take his stand. It will be a difficult time. Nothing like it has ever happened since nations first appeared. That's an excellent translation, by the way. But at that time, every one of your people who was found written in the scroll will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dusty land will wake up some to eternal life, others to shame and eternal disgrace. Those Skilled in wisdom will shine like the sky. Those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and always. But you, Daniel, must keep these words secret, seal the scroll until the end time. Well, the end time is here, so the scroll is open. Many will stray far, but knowledge will increase. Excellent translation. Okay, so let's understand as far as the abomination of desolation here. I'm trying to to get to that point here. Verse 11, there will be 1,290 days from the time the daily sacrifice indicating the temple is going to be built at this time is stopped to the setting up of the desolating monastery, monstrosity, matrosity. Monstrosity, right. The desolating monstrosity. It's a word I don't use too often. But the King James Version says the abomination of desolation. For simplicity's sake. So anyway, and he says, happy is the one who waits and reaches 1,365 days. Now as far, now as for you, go on to the end. You will rest and will stand to receive your reward at the end of the days. Okay, so... There's going to be, and if you understand Maccabees, which is a history book uh, in the Apocrypha, there's going to be a statue, um, Antiochus Epiphanes had erected a statue of Zeus, and he sacrificed pig meat on the altar in the holy place. And I don't know if it's going to happen exactly like that, but in Revelation chapter 13 it states that uh the image of the beast was uh, made to speak. So it's going to be some kind of miracle happening. This image of the beast is obviously a statue of the beast. It's going to be put near the holy place or inside the holy place. And that is what the abomination of desolation that Christ is talking about is going to happen in, in the 21st century. If, I, if it don't happen in the 21st century, I, I don't understand why. I mean, we, I don't believe we have 89 more years left for, for the return of the Messiah. We're not going to live. <laughs> This, the human race is not going to survive 89 years, folks, realistically. I don't think you need the Bible to understand that, the way we're going. All right. Um, we have to understand here. I wanted to, yeah, I need to quote these other scriptures here. I'm going to try to do it quickly, though, because I wanted to cover some other things here. But let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 14. 
Oh, before before that, Matthew chapter 24 again, I'm sorry. There's just so many things to talk about, and you just don't have enough time to talk about them. You know, there's just so much stuff to cover. There's just a lot of stuff to cover. But I try to do the best I can to summarize it. Okay. Yeah, I want to talk about this here. It's important because he just uh, repeated uh, Daniel. All right, so in verse 15, when you see the disgusting and destructive thing that Daniel talked about standing in a holy place, uh, that's going to be the statue of the Antimessiah. Verse 16, then those in Judea, which is the West Bank today, must escape to the mountains. Those on the roof shouldn't come down to grab things from their houses. Those in the field shouldn't come back to grab their clothes. How terrible it would be at that time for women who are pregnant and for women who are nursing their children. So it wouldn't be advisable at this time. Really, to be pregnant, that's what he's saying. Verse 20, pray that it doesn't happen in winter or on a Sabbath day, which proves the Sabbath day is going to be kept today in the 21st century. There will be great suffering, such as the world has never before seen and will never again. So that's similar to uh, Daniel 12, verse 1. If that time weren't shortened, nobody would be rescued, or the King James Version says saved, or no flesh saved alive. But for the sake of the ones whom God chose, that time will be cut short. So that's the good news. So I just want to read you that. Ezekiel chapter 14. Starting at verse 14. Okay, so the word came to Ezekiel. And in verse um, 14, I'm still reading in the Common English Bible. Human one, suppose, in verse 13, human one, suppose, and it says Son of Man in King James Version, suppose a land sins against me by acting faithlessly so that I use my power against it, break off its food supply. That's what's happening, folks. When people ain't making money and they're in debt, the food supply is cut off. Let famine run rampant and eliminate both humans and animals. If these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, lived there, their lives alone would be saved because they were righteous. This is what the Lord God says. Verse 15, or suppose I allow wild animals to roam through the land and it becomes so wild that no one can live there or even travel through it on account of the wild animals. If these three men lived there as surely as I live, proclaims the Lord God, they wouldn't be able to rescue even their sons or daughters. They alone will be rescued, but the land will become a ruin. And that's what's going to happen to this country, folks, unless there's collective repentance. Verse 17. Or suppose I bring a sword or war or violence against the land and command a sword to pass through and eliminate both humans and animals. If these three men lived there as surely as I live, proclaims the Lord God, they wouldn't be able to rescue even their sons or daughters. They alone would be rescued. Verse 19, or suppose I send a plague or disease against that land and pour out my fury on it. With great bloodshed, I would eliminate both humans and animals. Verse 20, if Noah, Daniel, and Job lived there, as surely as I live, proclaims the Lord God, they wouldn't be able to rescue their sons or daughters. But they would save their lives because they were righteous. Just reading this to you to help you to understand how God judges now, I've explained many times in this program that, believe it or not, the United States is a part of the ten tribes of Israel. So whenever you see Israel in the Bible, in most cases, it's talking about us. 
It's talking about Britain. It's talking about Canada. It's talking about the countries in Northwestern Europe, New Zealand, Australia, Norway, which had that catastrophic uh, person that lost his mind shoot up people a couple of weeks ago. Or last week, I can't remember. So, and then, of course, um, Judah, the Jews, are a part of the 12 tribes of Israel, along with Benjamin and Levite. So, and for proof of that, if you don't believe, you think I don't know what I'm talking about, go to www.bsandboyritam.org. That's www.bsandboyritam.org. Yara Davidi is the world's renowned expert on this. And he knows what he's talking about. And he proves everything that he talks about. So anyway... Let's understand Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is a now prophecy, folks. It was a now prophecy back then, and it is today. And we better start taking God seriously here, folks. We better start taking God seriously. And we better hope that a catastrophe doesn't occur on Tuesday. But if it does, it's God's will. He's not going to keep on having... Let me let me just uh, quote a scripture here in James uh, chapter 1, because... People think that God's mercy is unlimited, okay? And it's not. It's not unlimited. He gets sick and tired of sin, folks. He's sick and tired of it. He's tired of hearing our leaders lie. He's tired of hearing our leaders say they're going to do one thing and do another just to get elected. He's tired of that mess. And he's going to let us know about it. And he already is. But as it persists, he's going to let us know more. The punishments are going to increase and get worse. James chapter 1. Okay. Let me look up the word mercy. thought I knew where the scripture was. I think it's in James chapter 2, but I'm going to make sure that I'm quoting the right scripture here. So many scriptures. There we go. Yeah, James chapter 2, verse 13. Sorry about that. James chapter 2, verse 13. There will be no mercy and judgment for anyone who hasn't shown mercy. Mercy overrules judgment. So he's saying that there will be no mercy in judgment for anyone who hasn't shown mercy. We've got to show mercy, folks. We've got to show collectively as a nation mercy for the people in this country that are struggling, got two or three jobs, still can't pay the bills. We have to show mercy for those type of people. Not mercy for people who are lazy and don't want to work, but as uh, the end of poverty by uh, Jeffrey Sachs proves, most people are poor not because they're lazy, and the Bible proves this too, by the way, but because they don't have the resources to better themselves. Many people think people are poor because they're lazy, and that's not true. That's not true at all. So anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm only going to read a little bit of this for lack of time here, but 
I want to get to the family, uh, how to have strong families and so forth. Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting at verse 1. So many scriptures to quote, so little time to do it in. Okay. Verse 1 in the uh, Common English Bible. Now, if you really obey the Lord your God's voice by carefully keeping all his commandments that I am giving you right now, then the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and find you if you obey the Lord your God's voice. And the United States is above all the nations right now, but it's not because of our righteousness. It's because of uh, God's mercy and what he promised to Abraham. Verse 3, you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Your own fertility, your soil's produce, and your livestock's offspring, the youth of both cattle and flocks will be blessed. So your, your kids and so forth. Your basket and your kneading bowl will be blessed. You will be blessed when you are out and about and blessed when you come back. The Lord will defeat any enemies who attack you. They will come against you from one direction but will run for their lives away from you in seven directions. The Lord will command the blessing to be with you in your barns and on all the work you do. And he will bless you on the land the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his own, a holy nation, just as he swore to you if you keep the Lord your God's commandments and walk in his ways. All the earth's peoples will see that you are called by the Lord's name, and they will be in awe of you. The Lord will make good things abound for you, whether the fertility of your womb, your livestock's offspring, or your fertile soil's produce. On the very land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give you, the Lord will open up for you his own well-stocked storehouse to heavens, providing your land with rain at just the right time and blessing all your work. You will lend to many nations, but you won't have any need to borrow. Well, that's not our case today because of sins. We're supposed to be the one uh, that is uh, giving money to nations to borrow, not the other way around. But we're the world's largest debtor nation. Verse 13, are we the world's... Um, you know, as far as nations are concerned, we owe the most money. Verse 13, the Lord will make you the head of things and not the tail. You will be at the top of things, not the bottom, as long as you, here, here's a contingency, as long as you obey the Lord your God's commandments that I'm commanding you right now by carefully doing them. Don't deviate even a bit from any of these words that I'm commanding you right now by following other gods or serving them. And that God in this country for sure is money. Okay, so, but there's curses. Verse 15, and this is what we don't want to hear. See, we, you know, we don't understand. We want the blessings, but we don't want the curses. Well, if you don't want the curses, obey God. It's pretty simple as that. If you don't want the curses, if you want curses, continue to disobey God. And you'll get plenty of them, as He stated here. But if you don't obey the Lord your God's voice by carefully doing all His commandments and His regulations that I'm commanding you right now. All these curses will come upon you and find you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the field. Your basket and eating bowl will be cursed. Your own fertility, or your kids rather, your soil's, your soil's produce, your cattle's young, and your flock's offspring will be cursed. You will be cursed when you, you are out and about and cursed when you come back. The Lord will send calamity, confusion, and frustration on, on you no matter what work you are doing until you are wiped out and until you disappear. It will be quick because of the evil acts by which you have abandoned him. The Lord will make a plague stick to you until he has totally wiped you off the fertile land you are entering to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, fever, inflammation, with soothing heat, 
Scorching heat, isn't that something? Scorching heat and drought, and we've had that this year, haven't we? With destruction and disease for your crops. We're having that right now as I'm speaking, right? These things will chase you until you are dead and gone. The sky over your head will be as hard as bronze, and the earth under your feet will be like iron, meaning lack of rain. The Lord will turn the rain on your land into dust. I just said that. Only dirt will fall down on you from the sky until you are completely wiped out. This is the vision of Texas right now, worse than a dust bowl. The Lord will hand you over defeated at, to your enemies. You will go out against them by one direction, and you will run for your life away from them in seven different directions. All the earth's kingdoms will be horrified by you. Your corpses will be food for every bird in the sky and animal on earth. No one will frighten them off. The Lord will afflict you with Egyptian inflammation, hemorrhoids, rash, and itch. You will be untreatable. The Lord will make you go crazy. <laughs> That's what he says. He will make you go crazy. Make you blind. Make your mind confused. That's why many of our leaders are confused. They can't tell whether two men and two women uh, should be married or it should be the, the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> That's what sin does. It helps you to be confused. Verse 29, you will fumble around at high noon as blind people fumble around in darkness. Your plans won't prosper. Instead, you will be constantly oppressed and taken advantage of without any savior. You might get engaged to a woman, but another man will have sex with her. You might build a house, but you won't live in it. You won't get to live in it. You might plant a vineyard, but you won't enjoy it. You, Your ox will be slaughtered while you watch, but you won't get to eat any of it. Your donkey will be stolen right out from under you, and it won't come back. Your flocks will be given to your enemies. No one will save you. Your sons and daughters will be given to another nation while you watch. You will long for them constantly, but you won't have the power to do anything about it. Folks, this is definitely coming if we don't repent as a nation. And it will happen to each and every other nation, this kind of situation here. It will be similar. Verse 33, the produce of your land and all your hard work will be consumed by people you don't know. You will be nothing but oppressed and mistreated constantly. The sights your eyes will see will drive you insane. Insane. Verse 35, the Lord will strike you with horrible information in your knees and legs from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. You will be untreatable. The Lord will send you and the king that, that you appoint over you, or the president in our case, far away to a nation that neither you nor your ancestors have known. There you will worship other gods made of wood and stone. You will become a whore, fit only for those, only for use in Proverbs and in insults by all other nations where the Lord drives you. You might scatter a lot of seed on the field, but you will gather almost nothing because the locusts will eat it all. Verse 39, you might plant lots of vineyards and work hard in them, but you won't drink any wine or harvest the grace because worms will devour them. You might have many olive trees throughout your territories, but you won't cover yourself with the oil because your olive trees will fail. You might have sons and daughters, but they won't be yours for long because they will be taken away as prisoners. Crickets will take over all your trees and your soil's produce. The immigrants who live among you will be promoted over you, and that's true. Asians make more money than white folks. If you don't believe me, look at the United States Census Bureau. Look under poverty. Look at the charts. Asians make more money than Caucasians. So this prophecy has already been fulfilled in this country. The immigrants who live among you will be promoted over you higher and higher. 
but you will be demoted lower and lower. That's a prophecy being fulfilled as I'm speaking. They will lend to you like China is doing, but will have nothing to lend to them. They will be the head of things and you will be the tail. And that is happening as I'm speaking. Verse 45. That's how all these curses will come over you, pursuing you, reaching you until you are completely wiped out. Because you didn't obey the Lord your God's voice by keeping his commandments and his regulations that he gave you. These things will be a sign and wonder on you and your descendants forever. Because you didn't serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly above all else. You will serve your enemies. The ones the Lord will, what does the Bible say? The borrower is servant to the lender. That's what we are, folks. Verse 48. You will serve your enemies, the ones the Lord will send against you during famine, drought, nakedness, and total deprivation. God will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has wiped you out. Thus says the Lord, verse 49, the Lord will bring a distant nation, one from the far ends of the earth, against you as fast as the eagle flies, a nation that speaks a language you can't understand. All right, and... You know, it gets worse, folks. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but it gets to the point of us eating our children, okay? So God is serious, folks. He wants us to repent. He wants us to stop this monkey business, okay? He wants us to stop. Here, in verse 54, I'm going to read it. Even the most gentle and refined man among you will scrowl his brother or his own dear wife or the last of his surviving children. He won't want to give them any of his children's flesh that he will be eating because he has no other food due to the desperate and dire circumstance that your enemy has brought on you in all your cities. Even the most gentle and refined woman among you who is so refined and gentle, she wouldn't stomp her foot on the ground, will scroll at her own dear husband, her son or her daughter, not wanting to give them any of the afterbirth she pushed out or the baby she bore because she will be eating them secretly while starving due to the desperate and dire circumstances that your enemy would bring on you in your cities. This is the type of financial chaos that's going to come upon our country. I can't predict to you exactly what day and year, but it's coming, folks. That I can predict if we don't repent. Now, if we do collectively repent, he won't allow this to happen. But it's up to us. It's up to the leaders of this country, if they are so-called intelligent, to go to the Bible and see what God says and to repent and encourage this whole nation to repent. That is the only way that we are going to survive this. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 18, and then I'm going to hopefully summarize, boy, in 15 minutes, I guess I can do it, summarize the Torah readings. But I, I just have to address this because we're really, really getting into, you know, some other scriptures I wanted to quote. I think I'm going to do it next week, but um, we need to take God seriously here, folks. Our nation ever since I think the late 1800s or early 1900s, have drifted away from God. We've taken the Bible out of the classrooms. That has really caused a problem. You take the Bible out of the classrooms, where's the morality at? We can't, I think, you can't even pray in the public school system anymore. You know, you can't do that. Like there's something wrong with that. They, they have issues with uh, people praying at the sporting events in college. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's like we don't think God matters anymore. Anyway, Jeremiah chapter 18 uh, in the Common English Bible, verse 7. At any time I may announce that I will dig up, pull down, and destroy a nation or kingdom. But if that nation 
I warn, turns from its evil. Then I relent and not carry out the harm I intended for it. Uh, works the other way around too, folks. Verse 9. At that time I may announce that I will build and plant a nation or kingdom, but if that nation displeases and disobeys me, in other words, if he, if he blesses a nation, like the United States, he's blessed this nation. One of the reasons why I saw Captain America, because I don't look at movies too often, it's because it reminded me of the way this nation was. We believed in God. We believed in fighting for what's right. And we don't believe in that now. If you haven't seen Captain America, please look at it. Even it's, it's fictional, but it has a, a real message, a true message, that we need to fight for what's right. We need to be courageous, willing to give our lives to do right if necessary. We've lost that courage and ability to preach against gays and lesbians. That was hardly even in existence back then in the 1940s. And I know Captain America would be against that. So the point that God states here in verse 9, at that time I may announce that I will build and plant a nation or kingdom, but if that nation displeases and disobeys me, then I will relent and not carry out the good I intended for it. And that's what's happening, folks, to this country and to any other nation that knows better, knows God's laws. He's going to have a little more mercy on, on nations that, that don't know him. But we claim to know him. We claim to, to, to know him really good, and we should. We have the most Bibles distributed around the world, and we should be reading the Bible. But what we do instead is look at stupid movies. And waste our time on, on looking at television, looking at married housewives or whatever stupid thing. All these other stupid programs that we look at. And we spend too much time looking at sports and worshiping the athletes. Like they're going to save us or, or help us, you know. It's just, we're just me messed up mentally, unfortunately. Okay, so let me go go over the Torah readings here um, real quickly. With the help of Habad here again. But we're going to know whether or not God has pulled the plug here in this country very soon here. I've heard stories that uh, even though it comes to Tuesday, they may not, I mean, may still have reserves. I don't know. I don't know. But they're making it seem like if they don't come with uh, don't don't increase the debt ceiling that it's going to be a financial disaster so we'll see all i know is regardless there's going to be a disaster it's only how soon do we have another year a couple of years or is it going to happen this year well that's why the bible tells us to be alert to watch god has not come down and told me when however he's given me understanding to tell you that it's going to happen i just don't know when so anyway, um, let's go over the Torah readings here real quick. I'm just going to summarize it here in the remaining 10 minutes that I have. And the title of this Bible study is Establishing Strong and, and, and uh, Stable Families. And, you know, one of the ways that we should be doing that is, is preaching against homosexuality. That doesn't establish strong families. But anyway, um, to summarize it based on Abad's commentary here. It says, The 42 journeys and encampments of Israel are listed from the Exodus to their encampment on the plains of Moab across the river 
uh, across the river from the land of Canaan. Also in Massa, the boundaries of the promised land are given, and the cities of refuge are designated as havens and places of exile for inadvertent murderers. So God has set up a law where if you accidentally kill somebody, you would you could leave, and then when the high priest died, you can come back. So anyway, the daughters of Zelophehad married within their own tribe of Manasseh, so that the estate which they inherit from their father should not pass to the province of another tribe. Okay, and uh, I'm going to get into that in a minute about inheritance and so forth. And then in the Haftar of the prophet section, the summary is the following. It says, this week's Haftar is the second of a series of three Haftar of affliction. These three Haftar are read during the three weeks of mourning for Jerusalem between the fast of 17 of Tamaz and 9th of Ab, which was the destruction of the temple. The prophet Jeremiah transmits God's message to the Jewish people in strong tones, chastising all the sectors of the people, including the leadership. And this this particular passage is to the entire 12 tribes of Israel, by the way, including leads to their abandonment of God. What wrong did your forefathers find in me that they distanced themselves from me and they went after futility and themselves became futile? That's a prophecy. That's what's happening right now. He reminds them of the kindness God did for them, taking them out of Egypt and leading them through the desert and settling them in the promised land. Yet they repaid kindness with disloyalty. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the spring of living waters, and they have. They have. And furthermore, this was in order to dig for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that do not hold water. God asked them to view their actions in their neighboring nations, the Kittites and the Kedarites, and see whether they there was any such thing, whether a nation exchanged a God, although they are not gods. Yet my nation exchanged their glory for what does not avail, and we do that today. Jeremiah then goes on to foretell the suffering of the Jewish people. It should be the uh, the whole nation of Israel and the Jewish people will suffer at the hands of their enemies and also their erstwhile allies. Your evil will chastise you and you will be rebuked for your backsliding and you shall know and see that your forsaking the Lord your God is evil and bitter. So whenever you forsake God, it's evil and bitter. The Hatara ends on the encouraging note assuring the people that if they return to God with sincerity, they will be restored to their full glory. Again, we have to return to God. That is that is, that is the focus of that. Now, with the help of this excellent uh, book, Gateways to Tor by Rabbi Russell Resnick, who is a Messianic Jew. In other words, he believes that Yeshua is a Messiah. He stated here that the, in Numbers chapter 33 to uh, 35 to 13 is really um, about how a woman and a man should view the family. And it says right here, it says, likewise, it says, wait a minute, right here on page 187 of uh, Gateways to Torah. It says, the daughters are not motivated by, by greed. They weren't motivated, motivated by greed to seek an inheritance, but for the love of the land. The inheritance of the land is not a strictly material possession. Rather, it represents the family's share in the legacy of Israel, its stake in the, in the community and heritage of the chosen people. Such a share is essential to more feminine ra relational aspects of family. A healthy family cannot exist in isolation, but must be part of community, and that's the problem with many families today. And that's what Christ prophesied would happen, and that's what's happening today. Families are rising against each other. Likewise, we should not view the kinship of Zelo Fihad as motivated by mere greed. Apparently, there is a higher principle involved because the Lord endorses their position. Like the daughters, they are concerned with preserving the family heritage. The daughters are thinking of the portion of their father. The kinsmen are thinking of the larger portion of the tribe. 
Both the men and the women, however, share a vision of value and inviolability of the divine inheritance. Inviolability of the divine inheritance. The shared principle is this. The inheritance of the children of Israel is not to go around from tribe to tribe. Indeed, each one to the inheritance of his father's tribe is to cleave among the children of Israel. In other words, stick with your family and preserve your family and and, and uh, increase your family. As each family preserves its inheritance, or its heritage rather, it is strengthened, and the larger good is advanced as well. So let me repeat that. As each family preserves its heritage, it is strengthened, and the larger good is advanced as well. The story ends on a happy note. The daughters of Zelophehad comply with the ruling and, and marry whom they think best among the sons of their own tribe. The Torah finds a way to reconcile the legitimate desires of the individual and the community's need for stability, and that's what we don't have in many of our families in this country and around the world, a reconciliation that has eluded us in the modern world, as I just said. The Book of Numbers, which recounts so much rebellion against God, ends with an account of faithful submission. The message for us today is that it requires both the feminine and the masculine perspective to keep the community whole. The Daughters of Zello Fihad teach us to take hold of our inheritance in a way that strengthens our community. And that's what we need to do collectively as a human race. And that's not being done. And that's why we have the problems that we have with poor people and people not having enough to eat, etc., that's the problem. We are all family. We all should care for one another, no matter what we look like, no matter what our differences. That should be the lesson that we should learn about this. I wanted to read Isaiah chapter 3 and Amos 8 verses 1 to 10. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to read the whole thing, but uh, I'm going to try well, I can read Amos chapter 8. I can do that. Let's turn to Amos chapter 8, verses 1 to 10. I have three minutes left. And Isaiah chapter 3 is really a now prophecy. You should study that. I'm, I'm going to hopefully go over that next week. But Amos 8 is, is pretty interesting in itself. I'll read this in the Common English Bible for clarity's sake. This is what the Lord God showed me, a basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. There's going to come a time he's going to say this, folks. I don't know if next Tuesday is going to be that time. But he will in the future say, enough is enough. The shenanigans must stop. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people Israel. I will never again forgive them. On that day, the people will wail. The temple song says the Lord God. There will be many corpses thrown about everywhere. Silence. So it's going to be great destruction. Hear this, you who will trample on the needy and destroy the poor of the land. That is a perfect description of this country, folks, because we do that. We help out a little bit, but still, we have millions of people that are starving as I'm speaking right now. There should be no reason why that's occurring. As, as you know, as many billionaires we have in this country. When will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale? Make the ephah smaller 
enlarge the shekel and deceive with false balances. And that's what we have right now, false balances, our budget. In order to to buy the needy for silver and the helpless for sandals and sell garbage as grain. <laughs> and that's what we do. These big companies, they they um, they relocate jobs overseas and they pay these people like a dollar an hour, even 50 cents an hour to do work. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, which is the entire 12 tribes of Israel, including the United States, surely I will never forget what they have done. Verse 8, will not the land tremble on this account and all who live and mourn as it rises and overflows like the Nile and then falls again like the river of Egypt? He's predicting flooding, flooding. We've had flooding in this country. And this is what he's predicting. And it has occurred. And it has occurred already and will occur more in the future. On that day, says the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. He's talking about the uh, sixth seal of the book of Revelation. Verse 10, I will turn your feasts into sad affairs and all your singing into a funeral song. I will make people wear mourning clothes and shave their heads. Shave their heads. And I will make it like the loss of an only child and the end of it like a bitter day. So the days are surely coming. Well, this is another um, prophecy that I'll get into later on. But the point is that, folks, we're, we're headed toward financial destruction. It's only a matter of time. It may be days. But as the Messiah tells us, we must... Be alert and watch and prepare for what's going to happen. May the Lord bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available for you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs> 